Welcome to Broken Catholic, the show where I interview practicing Catholics, non-Catholics, and recovering Catholics about why the world isn't working right now, and tackle unspeakable topics that many people secretly struggle with but won't admit. See, I believe that God is in the business of transformation, so I'm here to stand for you having a transformation so big that when God is done with you, you're barely recognizable. I'm your host, your coach, your brother, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist, and I freely share my personal struggles of being a modern Catholic man. It's freaking hard. I don't have it all figured out. I'm a work in progress just like you, and that's okay. Today, our featured guest is Connor Penn, and Connor is uh, kind of an extraordinary guest here for a broken Catholic because he's my first seminarian so he's a catholic seminarian he's in uh he's got three years left before he becomes a roman catholic priest and he gets to wear the penguin collar uh of holiness which is uh really exciting right so connor is uh, a friend of mine um we played football together i visited him down to seminary and he's just an all-around genuine awesome guy uh, who's really uh surrendering his life to god's call on his life. So today we're doing a, uh, a bonus um, podcast episode uh, based on because we're located here in Tampa, Florida. And right now, as you guys know, in Florida, uh, we are about to get sandblasted or wind blasted with Hurricane Irma, uh, which is predicted to um, be one of the worst hurricanes we've ever experienced in the state of Florida. So as we're going into that, uh, the topic that showed up for me was acts of God. Uh, do I trust God when disaster happens or do I turn away and uh, turn to fear and anxiety and, and stress and all that? So Connor, thanks for joining us on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, we're open to God's will in this conversation. But before we even go into that fear and, and hurricane and all that, that talk, uh, I always start with this very broad question. Let's get down to business. Why do you think the world isn't working right now? Mm, that's a great question, Joseph. And, and first, thanks for having me on the show today. I think simply perhaps why our faith isn't working in, in the world today is, is we've lost the importance of a personal relationship with our God and particularly with the person of Jesus, you know, incarnate. I think so many times we can speak about him, we can speak things that sort of revolve around him as a person, but we've lost that, that emphasis of taking time and being with him personally, you know, in silence, in prayer, in reflection. And that speaks so much to other people you know, I, I think of the witness perhaps of a married couple, you know, a man and a woman who love each other. And you can see that, that love, it's tangible. You know, we can't put it into a beaker or Bunsen burner and say, oh, well, this is how much they love each other. Did you just say Bunsen burner? I did say Bunsen burner. Oh, I was throwing gosh. it back to middle school science class there. You just dated yourself, <laughs> Bunsen burner. Please continue. <laughs> no, but I, I think there's, there's palpable evidence of, of the love that exists between that, that man and that woman. And yet, how much more does our God love us? That, that really, that, that love between a man and a woman in marriage just points to the love that God has for us. And so, when people perceive that, that love, how much we, we are in love with Jesus, I think that transforms the world because so many people see that and they say wow i, I want that i i want to experience that for myself so now i need to jump in with that right okay because i think uh as catholics as christians protestants whatever we tend to try something different we try to fake it till we make it and what i mean by that is we try to put off the the uh front of holiness rather than authentically pursuing holiness. Mm. And again, what I mean by that is we tend to go through the motions of faith or what our church says we should do. So we attend worship service on Sunday and then on Monday we're out there living like atheists, 
let's just be real, right? Mm. And we're mistreating people, we're being unkind, um, we're, we have our own vices, our own brokenness, hence the name of the show, right? Broken Catholic. We're all broken Catholics when it comes down to it. And it's like, what you're talking about, though, is us portraying Christ in the world through our own lives. How do we get there, right? Because that's easy to talk about. It's warm and fluffy. But how do we get there in our own lives? And and when I say how do we get there, don't just give me the heady thing. Speak about you. You know, how did you make that transition? Or were you always like that where you're like, hey, I was I came out of my mom's womb and I was just like I had a halo on. <laughs> <me."> and, <laughs> and ever since then, it's it's never broke that halo. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And no. e- even the cover art on my uh, my show here is the broken halo right yeah. on top of me yeah, because right. it's like God starts us out with with halos. We're meant to be saints. And over time, we tarnish them, we break them, we, we do a lot of stuff to them. And God wants us wants to bring us back to that. So anyway, jump in there, um, kind of relate, be relatable to us in that, in your own life. Absolutely. So what I've experienced in my own life is, is that in those moments where I don't live up to those saintly expectations, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I fall short of what God is asking me to be, it's exactly in those moments that His grace can transform me. How so? Break that down for us. Absolutely. I, I think that that's what prayer looks like at its core, is, is a surrender to, to His work and, and to say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm placing this in, in your hands. I heard a great analogy for for prayer uh, the other day akin to when those school buses come up to a railroad track and you know they always have to stop mm. and they throw in the lights and mm. you know you'll be behind the bus so you have to swerve into the next lane and you cause a near accident because you cut off the person behind you and and you know it sounds that, like you drive like me yeah <laughs> that's right that's right but what those buses do at those railroad tracks is they stop, they look, and then they listen. And they listen for that that uh, rail car, you know, perhaps that train coming down, down the tracks. And I think that's exactly what we do in prayer, that, that when we come to God prayerfully, first thing we have to do is we have to stop. And that's so difficult for us to do in our day and age because we just have so much noise pollution and we're you know we're constantly on the go and listening and watching and and we're taking in so much that that just to stop I mean that's that's difficult in and of itself I mean you see how even in that example I gave about the the bus stopping at the railroad tracks there's something in me that wants to keep going that doesn't want to stop there you have a need for speed my friend (laughs) that's right that's right that's right yeah, I'm hearing what I'm getting what you're saying, right? Uh-huh. It's like we have this need to constantly be in motion, in motion, in motion. And the thought of stopping to have quiet, reflective, meditative prayer with our creator is counterintuitive, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do we transition into that? And I know we're we're a little off topic, but that's okay because this is a really important message I think that you're you're kind of dropping on us here. Yeah, I I think we just you just have to do it, you know. I, it's sometimes it takes getting up, you know, out of the sofa, or you know, you're driving in the car, and you just have to say, you know what, I'm going to stop at the church for five minutes. Or talk, talk to me about how you did it. That's that's really what we want to hear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I I think it came in high school. Really, I went I went to a Catholic high school, and in the morning before the school would start, they would have mass just about every day. And so when I started to drive, I don't know, just something in me said, you know what, I think I want to start my day with mass every morning. Hmm. So I would go to mass early in the mornings and I'd try to get there a couple minutes early. Sometimes I'd, I'd swoop right in, you know, maybe during the penitential rite or even the gospel. But Because you had to swerve around a school that's bus. Right, that's right, that's right train on track. the way in. That's right, <laughs> Joseph, you're exactly right. But, uh, but really, it was the time right before Mass when the church was still, it was quiet, it was silent. 
that I was encountering something, really someone within myself that I could converse with and come to know and speak to and, and listen from. And that for me was, was really the birth of, of that personal relationship with God that, that took place within that silence. But it was something that I just had to do and just had to start. You know, I, I think that's the most difficult thing. But perhaps that's why our faith is, is not captivating so many people in our world today is because it's so difficult to stop. You know, I mean, I mean, one of the most difficult things for me to do when I'm driving in the car is not to have music going or not to have a podcast going. Now, I'm not trying to discourage your listeners here. Did Joseph. you see what he just did there? <laughs> you're going to you're about to kick me out of this office. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming close. No, but, but even in those moments that are naturally silent, we still have to fill, you know, and and bring sound into that but even praying in the car taking that time of silence and encountering god in that can be so powerful and reflective okay okay so connor this is like fantastic conversation right however i need to honor our audience and we're going to jump right into acts of god right so we right here in tampa florida we are dealing with the media um scaring the heck out of us with an impending hurricane of uh, wind speeds of up to 155 miles per hour, which we know can be completely fatal, absolutely destructive to house and home, um, all our possessions. And, and here we are, right? Many of us Christians, Catholics, with our, fest, uh, our faith being tested, right? Because I believe there are two human drivers as far as emotions, either fear or love the two can't really coexist at the same time we have to choose one it's like black or white day or night it's just a universal law so many of the people around me my friends my family included uh are choosing fear which is creating anxiety panic um you see it at the stores right now right the shelves are empty water you can't find anywhere the gas stations are out of fuel um, almost across the entire state of Florida. And it's because there's uh, that fear creates this basic human instinct of fight or flight, right? The crocodile brain kicks in, so to speak. And it just goes into survival mode. And unfortunately, sometimes when our brain's in survival mode, it brings out the worst in our humanity. Um, so I really want to kind of Talk about that, right? How do we trust God when disaster happens, when our brain naturally wants to go to the crocodile fear brain? Um, how do we not turn away from him, in your opinion? How do we turn towards him in this? Well, I think first of what we see in the scriptures, and so many times Jesus says three words, be not afraid. Do you know that that is the most repeated statement in the Bible out of all statements. Do not be afraid. Do you know how many times it appears? I don't. Ready? Three, 365 times. Wow. How many days in the year are there? 365. Dude, mind blown. Yeah. Which is Jesus's love every day of the year. He wants to remind us, do not be afraid. Please continue with that thought. Yeah, absolutely. So his response in that moment when he sees that fear, is he wants to dispel that fear and drive away that fear. And I think particularly of that scene we find in the Gospels. Now, I, I can't tell you exactly where it is, chapter and verse. You know, That's because we're Catholic. That's right, that's right. <laughs> but I think of that scene where the disciples are on the boat and, and the storm is, is rushing in. Hurricane, bro. Exactly, exactly. Very applicable to our current set of circumstances. That, that storm is, is rushing in and, and it's so powerful that the waves are even crashing into the boat and the disciples are fearful and they're worried. And it's realistic fear. Absolutely. It, like prudence is kicking in. It's like, hey, there's waves crashing in. This is fatal. And, and that's exactly what's happening right now with this hurricane. It's like it's destroying Puerto Rico and all these islands and stuff. 
Yeah. Keep Absolutely. going. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so we find the disciples in this boat, and yet Jesus is in the boat as well. And sleeping. Sleeping. The audacity. Exactly. The creator of the universe, <laughs> sleeping. I always think Jesus must have been a heavy sleeper because he's he's sleeping here through a rainstorm. Do you think he snored? That's what the thunder and lightning was? Yeah. No, I'm messing. I'm messing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So so he's asleep in this moment. And, and certainly within our events that are about to take place here in our state, we can as well think that Jesus is asleep and that God is asleep in this moment. Where, where is God? And we can cry out to him and, and ask him that. And, and I think that spans any awful tragedy that takes place. I think that's just a natural utterance. You know, where is God in the midst of this? Where is God in the midst of 9-11? Where is God in the midst of the Holocaust? Where is God in the midst of Hurricane Harvey that just took place last week? And we find in, in that story that God is with us. And his very first instinct is to dispel that, that fear. And we, we see in that story the miraculous, you know, that, that Jesus calms the waves and, and settles the wind. Now, I don't know about you, Joseph, but, but I don't have those same experiences where I call out to God and everything settles down immediately. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're listening right now and, and you're saying, okay, Connor, that sounds really cool. So what are you saying? I could just go into quiet prayer and say, Lord, stop this hurricane and boom, it's going to stop? No, I, that to me, well, I think God does have the power to do that. But how many times do we actually go to prayer like that, ask him to do something and it doesn't happen? You know. So many. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. I stopped counting. <laughs> Absolutely. And I can certainly get discouraged in those moments. I think, well, am I not praying hard enough? Mm. Am I not saying the right words? Maybe I needed to pray one more Hail Mary and everything would have changed then. Am I being punished for something I did way back then? Exactly. Exactly. And I think all of that can come back into the forefront of our minds when we feel that prayer isn't really changing our circumstances. Mm. But I think fundamentally then in those moments, we have to look to the cross. And in the depths of that tragedy, in that awful event that took place in the life of, of Jesus, he too called out to his father in that moment. And said, my God, why have you forsaken me? So his humanity did that utterance that you spoke of. Absolutely. Screamed out like, Father, help. Absolutely. And we hear in, in the accounts, you know, written by the gospel writers that people at, you know, nearby at the site of the crucifixion on, on Golgotha were calling out to Jesus and, and saying, well, just come down from the cross or... Uh, you know, release yourself and, and you can be put out of all of this pain and this misery. But, but Jesus remains in that, that suffering and in that pain. And yet at the same time, his father is, is with him. That even, even as he's calling out and he's crying out, what are his very last words? Into your hands, Father, I commend my spirit. That even as he's, as he's crying out and suffering, there's still this, this relationship hmm. with the Father. And, and he senses that even to the very moment of his death. And so when I think when he calls out repeatedly in the Gospels, be not afraid, what is he calling his followers and his disciples to? He's calling them back to that recognition of the relationship. Mm. That we are children of God. You and I, we are a brother, we are a sister of God. And 
no matter what happens in this world, that relationship is still there. There's that beautiful line from St. Paul's letter to the Romans that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he kind of lists this, you know, laundry list of cataclysmic events and, and tragedies that people would say, okay, yeah, I, I'm, I've been totally separated and cut off from relationship with, with my creator. And yet, what does he end that, that passage with? He says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's powerful talk right there. It's like, even through this, this hurricane, right, or natural disaster, or maybe you're listening somewhere else in the world and this doesn't apply to you, right? However, you've gone through disasters in your own life. That's really the topic today is, is again, do I trust God in those disasters or do I turn away from him and go, he failed me, he left me, he's sleeping in the boat and I'm going through this and he doesn't care. And I like where you, you brought that Connor because you, you know, you're like, Hey, listen, it's not about the disaster. It's so easy as humans, we look at what's real and tangible in front of us, which is the wind and the, the, the howling and the, the thunder and the waves and I'm gonna drown and fear, fear, fear becomes very present to us. And what God is calling us to in these disasters is to focus on love, the relationship, like you said, of we are sons and daughters of the creator of the universe who runs the storms. He's in full control of everything. And if we truly believe in our God, then we believe that we are taken care of, that we are protected. And I'm not, you know, stroking my ego here. I'm just sharing. It's like my friends are some, many of them are in panic mode, right? And they're like, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And they say to me, I'm like, I'm protected. And I don't say that with ego. I just, I say that because I had that time in prayer, um, getting to know my father in heaven. And I had, I built that relationship and the foundation is already set now. And no matter what happens, it's just like, there's a peace. There's a calm in the storm that my dad in heaven's got me mm. period. And he could take me anytime he wants. And he's in control of the entire universe because he created it. And God forbid something happens to me, to my family. Hey, that's okay. It's, it's, this is a temporary place. And that's what we believe as believers, right? Is that we're not, this is not our home, earth. We're called to be with our Father in heaven. And we have to go through the trials, the struggles, and it really the test of our relationship, I think is really the whole human existence. Do you believe that I got you? Do you believe that I am your Father? And he gives us all these opportunities, these tests, right? Disasters, etc. And right now we're being tested. What shows up for you in hearing that? Well, I, I think of another passage from Scripture where Jesus talks or gives this, this parable of what the end will look like. And he says that someone comes to the door and knocks and asks to be let into this kingdom. And what does Jesus say? He says, depart from me, I do not know you. And I think, and even I can get caught up into this sort of Pelagian, and Pelagianism is, is sort of this uh, thought that I can gain enough good works, I can sort of earn, uh, you know, to use video game language, I can kind of have this, this bar, you know, running up on, on the right side of my screen. Right. That I'm earning it, points and superpowers. Exactly. And... I say enough rosaries. You know, I, I go to enough masses. I've sort of leveled up. And then when I hit that, bam, okay, now I've punched my ticket into heaven. Yeah. But even Jesus in the, in the Gospels does not call us to that sort of mentality, but rather exactly to that relationship that we come to know him personally. And, and through that, then, if we are loving him intimately, we're brought out into one another. We can't love our God and yet turn a blind eye to our brothers and sisters in our community. 
Right, because when we're in that close relationship with our God, he pours his love into us and through us, and it cannot be contained. Exactly. And it, it's naturally, we're going to have overflow into others. Exactly. And then that's where the fruit shows up, right? Exactly. So it's like if we're not out serving others and humanity and we're, we have a very isolated faith, then I would question, you know, how much is that relationship truly present? Because a real relationship with Jesus a real relationship with the Father overflows into other humans. Absolutely. And this is making me think, too, of, of something that's very prominent in our day, how so many people, I'm sure you've heard this, Joseph, and I'm sure our listeners have heard this as well, so many people will say, oh, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Yeah. Have you heard that yourself? Never. <laughs> that's right. So many people say that, but... I think when we truly love God, then we find in other people exactly what we love in God as well. And yet at the same time, we see in other people what we don't like and, and things that are difficult to, to love and accept. But if we're truly going to love God, we have to love the things that God loves. And therefore, we have to love everyone that he has created. And at the same time, we have to hate the things that God hates. Mm. And that's turning away from sin, turning away from what pulls us away from our relationship with God and with one another. You know, I have to question uh, parts of my own life, right? Uh, in those times where my humanity is really present and I am craving uh, different vices, mm. right? I'm not turned away from them. I'm attracted to them. Yeah. You bring up a good point. I have to question, where's my relationship with God right now? Because if it's close and intimate with God, then I would not be drawn to those things as much as I'm being drawn to those things. I'd be drawn to godly things, to goodness rather than evil and vices and lust and, you know, all the other human-based uh, sensualities. Uh, that's, yeah, shoot, you just held up a mirror. Thanks, bro. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, the devil is very good at his job. I mean, this is, he's been in the business, Joseph, for, for thousands of years. Do you, think, least, he, do you, you know? think he should get promoted or something? <laughs> so he's so good at, at taking good and twisting that. And that's exactly what you and I and all of us are attracted to. When, when we turn to those vices and those sins, we're attracted to the good that's, that's in that. So that's good. It, well, we can use it for good. And, and that's the, I think that's the, the difficulty. So what I'm hearing you say is that it, it's good that we're attracted to good in the vices. Absolutely. The challenge is that the enemy has twisted those vices exactly. and he put some poison in it. Exactly. Right? And, exactly. and, and we see the, we, we tend to focus on the 80% that's, oh, it's good. It's a good meal. And we're missing the sabotage, the drops of poison that have been added to the meal that are going to pull us away from the relationship with our Father. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I'm thinking of a, a tangible example in, in my own life. I'm kind of social, so I, I love to talk and get to know people. But I can gossip. I find, I find you kind of shy. <laughs> but, you know, I, I can gossip a lot and, and talk about people behind their backs and say things that are hurtful and mean. Mm. So, so what's the good in that, in that sin? I would think that the good is wanting to feel connection with other people. Mm. You know, that, that as I gossip about someone else, I'm really desiring to grow closer to that person that I'm talking with and, and want to share something that can only be, only be between the two of us or however many mm. are in the group. So there's almost an intimacy there. With right. that person, it's like, hey, I got a secret. Exactly. I want to pull you exactly. into the secret. That's exactly it, Joseph. It's this desire for intimacy, which is a very good thing. But then it's twisted. And, and how am I obtaining that, that communion, if I can use that word, that communion with other people? Well, I'm using my brothers and sisters as means to obtain that communion for something else. They're like pawns in a, your chess game. Exactly. It's exactly. like they're expendable. So it's easy to pick on, on this woman over here because she has that 
that quirk, or this guy who, who always gets on my nerves when he does that thing. So in that... Guys, he was talking about me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when he invites me into this broken Catholic show. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm very glad to I, I know he's going to be speaking about me later to all, all the other priests at my parish. <laughs> that's right. All of a sudden, right. I'm going to come in on Sunday. I'm going to get all these di- different kinds of looks from, <laughs> from my priest. That's right. You're like, Connor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, all right. So let's continue there, right? So, you know, what I'm really hearing show up for me is this all comes down to relationship at the end of the day, right? That's God's uh, desire for us is he wants to be in relationship with us. We're his sons and daughters. With your parents out there, you get that, right? What happens when your kids grow up and they get a little too smart for their own good? What do they want to do? They want to be independent. They want to go do their thing. And there's nothing wrong with it. These are good things that they're drawn to. However, sometimes they, they make you, the parent, expendable. And all of a sudden, they take you for granted. Oh, mom and dad will always be there. I'll get to them when I get to them. But I, I'm out achieving. I'm building my empire, etc. I'm raising my family. All good intentions. However, where are the casualties that we're leaving behind? And you know, this is something that's shown up for me many times in my life, Connor, is uh, I really have to look at, um, I may have the best of intentions and where I think I'm headed. Am I leaving behind wreckage? with other human beings in my relationships? Am I hurting people uh, and calling it uh, moving forward? Mm. Am I dropping relationships because they got too hard and calling it, uh, well, I, I, it wasn't good for me, you know, and I need to be set free from that. And I'm not talking about, you know, completely toxic relationships, that's different, but I'm talking about did I have intimacy with, with somebody or did I date girls or whatever? And I was, you know, very connected with them and I was intimate with them. And now because they no longer serve my purpose, the way I see it, I just throw them away. Right. And, and how many times do we do that just in our relationships, you know, where we become the hurricane, we become the disaster. And just like a hurricane or a tornado comes through and it just leaves a path of destruction. You know, looking at my own life, and I ask you, look at your life right now. Is there a path of destruction behind you that Jesus wants you to clean up? And in order to do that, he wants you in that close relationship with him so he could show you how. Because first you have to feel loved and connected with, with him. right? And when you feel loved and connected with him, you tend to hurt others less. Is, is what I've seen in my own life. And if you're looking at your life and going, man, I've hurt a lot of people, then I ask you the question, how close are you with your, your creator right now? Because God's not in the business of hurting people, right? God's in the business of loving people, drawing them closer into his love. What shows up for you there, buddy? Well, I'm, I'm thinking back to the original question of, of this discussion about the acts of God and and why does God allow tragedies to happen? Why, does, why is God allowing this hurricane to come through our state in a couple of days? And as you were talking about hurting other people, I think what's, what's really taking place there is we're hurting ourselves as well. And talking about the parents just a couple minutes ago, what parents will tell you is one of the most difficult things for them to go through is to watch their children suffer, and to watch their children be in pain. You know, the, the young mother who hears her child cry out in the middle of the night, wailing, you know, because her child has an earache or, you know, has a sore throat. And how difficult that is for a parent to, to know that their child is suffering. And so... And not be able to take away the pain. Exactly. Exactly. And, and we call God our Father... He also experiences that, that suffering, that, that pain of watching us in difficulty, watching us battle the storms of life. And yet, our faith is one that trusts that God will never permit 
any suffering to take place if he cannot bring about a greater good through that suffering. And that, honestly, Joseph, for me, that's one of the most difficult aspects of our faith to really believe and come to grips with and trust in. You know, all of these high theological, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say creations because they describe our reality, but high theological descriptions of God as, uh, you know, Trinity and hypostatic union and all these different things. You know, I, if you come to learn and read about that, I, I find that more readily uh, digestible than the fact that God is permitting this hurricane to churn out in the Caribbean because he has some greater good in mind that he's going to bring about because of this tragedy, because of this disaster. And I think where we get into trouble is because we can't see the greater good and we want to because we like to think of ourselves as God, right? Mm. And, and when we can't see it, it's, it's us having to wrestle with the unknown and the feeling of powerlessness rather than feeling powerful, right? Because that's what fear is, right? It's a lack of power over exactly. something. Exactly. So it's a lack of, of our pride, right? It, it's really humility, you know, shows up in fear. It's like we see our own weakness, our own vulnerability. It's like, are you telling me that last week I was the CEO of XYZ company and everything is just going well? I got my... Uh, you know, my picture perfect wife, I got my kids, I got my multi-million dollar homes and my cars and everything. And man, I'm in control of my life. I am powerful in my own life. And within a few days, a simple, you know, uh, showing on the news of this impending doom and disaster of this hurricane uh, category five hurricane coming through, I am sitting right in the path, all my possessions for a second or longer. Don't we become as vulnerable as a child in that moment? Powerless, right? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, and, and you could question me on this, Connor, or push back or be like, Joseph, I think you're full of it. That's fine too, right? I well, I already think that, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> Bam. Um, in those moments, I think that God uses some of these natural disasters to remind us that we're still kids. We're not as powerful as we like to think, right? We're powerless, and he is the creator, and he runs the storms. And I'm not saying he's using a storm to punish us, right? However, you brought up the point. He uses any means he can to get our attention and to point us towards him, to draw us in so that he can transform our lives. And sometimes because of our own stubborn pride, he's got to use natural disasters. He's got to use disasters in our own lives to get our attention because we literally that far gone away from him. Hmm. What do you, what's your thoughts there? No, I, I, I think you said it well. And I think of just the, the passion narrative as a whole. Think of what we celebrate during Holy Week and break that down for some of our other denominations. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Well, Holy Thursday, you know, reflecting on Jesus gathering with his friends and having to face what's going to take place the next day. Crucifixion, how brutal and terrible that is of a death. Mm. And we see in the garden, Jesus calling out, Father, if this is possible, I don't want to do this. You Can know? we go with plan? I'd like door number two. Yeah, or, or door number 22. <laughs> Something, you know, very far away from what has to happen here. But even in that, in the crucifixion and the death of Jesus, what good is brought out of that? And, and how the death of God would bring about the salvation of all of humanity. That as the father was looking on, watching his son have to struggle and suffer, that that would bring about such good, I mean the greatest good, our eternal salvation. 
And so if that's the case for, for the life of Jesus, I think that, that can apply to our lives as well. That what God permits in our lives, the, the struggles and the difficulties and the crosses, really, because each of our life comes with a cross. Whether we, whether we are willing to shoulder that cross or not, you know, Jesus says, whoever wishes to follow me must take up his cross and come after me. Well, Joseph, the cross is there on the ground, and we can choose to try to live with it there the whole time and shove it into the closet and run away from it or, you know, throw it into the sea. But it's always coming right back. and It's, always it's like a magnet, isn't it? It's stuck to us our whole life. Like right. we try to throw it away and it just goes and sticks right back to us, right? You're right. And there's so many things in our world, so many people, so many philosophies, so many ideas that try to say, well, do this, do that, and all the suffering will be gone. Mm. Give money to this and you'll never suffer anymore. Or lose 10 more pounds, you'll never suffer anymore. Prosperity gospel, yeah? That's, that's it. That's big that's right it. now because it's, it's tantalizing on the ears. Absolutely. It's, because we, none of us wants to suffer. I don't want to suffer. I don't know about you, but I don't like to suffer. <laughs> I like having everything work out picture perfect, no flaws. That's so uninteresting. <laughs> I like a little suffering, I guess. No, no, <laughs> keep, no, no. Keep life interesting, darn it. <laughs> right. But, but, you know, Jesus calls each of us to, to pick up that cross. And he says, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus wants to carry that cross with us. And he does when we allow him to fill us with his grace. He's going to give us the strength to endure those crosses throughout our lives. So let's just bring this down on the court, right? Because sometimes okay. we can hang out in the stands a little too much okay. and kind of like do commentary on the game, right? Okay. So you're listening right now to this podcast. You're in your car. You're at home. You're, you're preparing your house right now if you're in the state of Florida for you know this big hurricane coming in. And you're like, guys, man, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but darn it, it doesn't change what's happening. And what's happening is I have a wife and I have kids and they're panicking and I have to be that voice of calm in this. But deep down inside, I'm actually panicking and, and I'm worried and I'm concerned because I'm the pr protector and the provider. Most of my life I'm providing, but all of a sudden now I'm being called to protect and I can't protect them in this. I like to think I can. I like to do my storm readiness. But at the end of the day, whichever way the storm comes, I'm at the mercy of it. Just straight up. And how do I wrestle with that? You know, as, the, as a man, you know, how do I wrestle with that? And, and if you're a woman and you're listening, how do you wrestle with that as, as the mom, as, as the, the nurturer and also a protector, right? Those are your baby cubs, right? Your little kitties. And that natural female instinct to protect them comes in. And, and you go into this panic mode. And I have a lot of female friends. I know how their brains work. Man, they don't know how to shut that thing off. And, and right now, it is flaring. I literally just had one of our business clients uh, come to me and he said, Hey, Joseph, um, you know, you have the office here. Uh, you have 6,000 square feet of office space that we rent, you know, some of it from you. And my wife, um, I'm totally fine. I'm like, honey, we're all set. We're prepared. You know, we live in a good area. It's not going to get flooded and stuff like that. But she's like, no, I want a plan B. I want a plan B. Can you please ask Joseph if worse comes to worse, can we come with air mattresses into the office and kind of hang out for a few nights, you know, just because of where the office is and we're on the second floor. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I, w I was just kind of listening to him because he's at peace. He's like, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. But he has a wife who isn't. She's in natural panic mode. And that's difficult, right? So I'm speaking to all our, our husbands out there right now. Um, or our wives. Maybe the husband's in panic mode. And my brother-in-law, for instance, you know, he's a natural um, melancholic temperament, right? So he worries. He thinks about all the worst-case scenarios about any situation. So I know where his brain is right now. And it's so hard to look at God when all you can see is impending doom and fear. 
what's your, your kind of advice, if you will, or wisdom, Connor, um, or just a reminder um, for our listener that is going through that right now, that internal crisis? Pray. One word, pray. And I think sometimes we can, like we were talking about earlier, get caught up in this mentality that if we pray hard enough, those things are going to change. But, but really what prayer is doing is putting us into that relationship. And when we live out of that relationship, that, that knowledge that we are loved by our God, we can weather any of those storms. And, and what does that look like tangibly for me in my life? It's, it's stopping first, you know. It's looking, looking at, at my life and the ways that God has been present to me and listening, and listening to his voice speak to me in the midst of all of those events. And through that time of prayer, we come to know of God's love for us. And, and when we live out of that love, no, we're not going to be able to change circumstances that have happened in the past. You know, we're not going to be able to change that divorce that's taken place or the financial difficulties or, or perhaps the accident that a family member got into. We're not going to be able to change, go back and rewrite history. But we can live out of that relationship with God moving forward. And in my life, that's what prayer does for me. It's a reminder of, of who I am and whose I am. When we live out of that, our circumstances, our difficulties, our crosses, they're still difficult. Mm. But we know that we have someone with us in the midst of those. Someone who, in the person of Jesus, has been through that suffering who took up his own cross and he knows so intimately what we're going through. You know, it goes back to kind of uh, what this podcast is all about. God is in the business of transformation. And as humans, we're so finite in our thinking and God is infinite. So God's ways are not our, our ways, right? We don't understand his ways. So we tend to look at just the visceral Right. What's in front of me, the outside circumstances that you just spoke of, we have an impending threat to my family, my kids, right? The storm, this weather, or like you used other examples, accidents, financial crisis, ruin, whatever. And we get caught up on the situational disaster when God is focused on the internal disaster happening in our hearts. Right. And, and that's what he wants to transform. And unfortunately, in our humanity, sometimes he has to use the external disasters to get us to stop at the railroad crossing mm. because we're headed for a train wreck and he knows it. Mm. He sees ahead. And just like any good father, he wants to protect us from that because he's all about our spiritual right journey. He's not just about our human journey, the peripheral. Right again, the out external uh, circumstances. So I really think it comes down to why do we wrestle with this all the time? Is because we're wired different than God, right? That's what it comes down to. There's a miscommunication. It's like God speaks perfect English, the you know the old style British English, the proper English, right? And we speak like Japanese, right? And and that's how we communicate, and that's how we see God. That's our world view. And, and we constantly miss the language that he's speaking to us because he's speaking to our hearts and we tend to get caught up in our heads. And there's this miss, 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 right? From head to heart, heart to head. And God's trying to talk to the heart. And as you said, we have so much noise and distraction. We're rarely in our hearts, aren't we? Throughout the day, throughout the course of our week. We're constantly in our heads. The worry, the anxieties of life. And we miss God is waiting in our heart. He's waiting in your heart. For you to stop, if you're in the state of Florida, uh, during this disaster, to stop in this moment, um, this hurricane is a, is a railroad track. Like Connor said, I really love that visual. Um, and God's calling you to stop right now. Go spend some time with him. And if you uh, have a family, be the spiritual leader in that family. And sit down with your kids and your spouse 
and say, hey, let's just stop. We believe in God. We tell others we believe in God. Let's act that way. Let's sit down and literally trust and surrender all outcomes of this storm, of this disaster to him. Say, Lord, whatever your plan is right now, we don't know. We don't understand it. Our humanity is scared. It's broken. We're screaming inside. We're in fear. But we give it to you. We surrender it to you. And whatever your will is in this, man, we accept it. We may not like it. We'll probably complain and whine like little kids, but we're going to take it. We're going to pick up the cross like Honor said. What's showing up, bro? Well, I'm thinking of uh, uh, how maybe we can take this to an extreme and say, well, if I'm in the care of my father, you know, God's got the world in his hands, then this hurricane can blow through our state and I can go stand on the top of my roof with my arms spread wide and my tongue out, you know, letting the raindrops fall, you know, upon my tongue and say, okay, God's got me. And How did you know what I was planning to do today? <laughs> That's right. And, and I don't want this conversation to give that impression. Because so many times in the Gospels, we also see that Jesus helps those people who have made every effort to help themselves. For example, there's the story of the man who's brought in on a stretcher, and four of his friends bring him into the company of Jesus, mm. and Jesus heals him in that moment, not only of his physical infirmity, but also, and firstly, of his spiritual infirmity. Mm. But he does so seeing the action of those friends. Mm which took some initiative on their part. They didn't simply say, okay, well, we're just going to stay here and wait for you to get better. No, we're going to bring you, this is the friend speaking to that paralyzed man, we're going to bring you to Jesus. All right, let's go. We're on the move. Or there's another story about a woman who was suffering a flow of blood, and she sort of, in a, Black Thursday-like fashion, she pushes through this crowd and... Or no, Black Friday, I'm sorry, yeah. Black Friday. She was on a mission to get the last uh, Furby That's right, <laughs> on that's the right. Shelves. Well, you know, with Black Thursday, it, it actually is taking place now because it happens on Thursday night, you know? I mean, yeah. we've lost Thanksgiving. That's another yeah. topic. Bring but, it back in, bro. That's right, that's right. But, but even in that story... She sort of emerges from the crowd, pushes people away, and goes up and touches the cloak of Jesus. But in that moment, too, she's taking initiative. She's taking action. She is playing her part, her role, mm. in allowing God to work. And Jesus heals her in that moment. Okay, so I'm hearing what you say, and, and we're going to wrap this up real quickly. But kind of take a, us down to the court. Again, on the court with that, right? You're always bringing me back to the court. I'm, I'm bringing you back to the court because that's where life happens. It's on right, the court, right? We're in right. the game, right? So right. take that, right? So she takes initiative. The the, the friends of the, the um, paralyzed man, they take initiative, right? And they bring him to Jesus. She is on a mission to get healed. No, nobody's stopping her. She's coming in. She knows she's broken. She knows she needs healing. She knows who can heal her. And she's going for it. Okay, so bring us back to um, trusting God when disaster happens and, and connect, connect those dots for us Absolutely. and what you just said. Absolutely, and, and I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to sound like a broken record and I've got one word again. It's pray. It's, it's asking God, literally, tangibly, asking Him, God, what initiative do you want me to take in this mm. event? What, what do you want for me to do? And when we do that, then like the bus at the railroad tracks, we need to listen. Mm. And that answer doesn't always come. Mm. Sometimes God ans God's answer is no answer. Mm. But sometimes he is wanting to speak his answer through a stirring we receive in our heart mm. or a memory that comes back or something that's said to us by a friend or a relative later that day or that week. But it takes those ears that are tuned into God's frequency, or, mm. or as you mentioned, that are tuned to that old English. Mm. But 
we have to ask that question because in asking that question, we're then ready to receive an answer. I get that. So I'm going to piggyback on one thing there, right? Because I think you did really great. That's great wisdom. Um, and I would also just add to what Connor said is that first show up with your humanity, right? In that conversation with the Lord and, and, and literally get raw, get real, get that out of the way. Right, because exactly. it's very hard to sit with the Lord and hear when you have your own agenda of what you want to just scream and shout because you're in your own frustration. Mm -hmm. So go sit with the Lord in quiet time with Him, uh, whether that's at the church, at the chapel. Just go spend time with Him, bring your family, do it alone, whatever works for you. But get real with Him and say, Lord, I'm scared, I'm frustrated, I don't get this. Why are you doing this? I work so hard, my family's at risk. Or maybe you're in one of those disaster zones where the hurricane just came through and you just lost everything. You just lost everything. And maybe you lost a family member or some, you know, some tragedy happened. And it's like, Lord, I am so angry at you right now. Why? Why did you do that? That's okay. The Lord wants that conversation to happen because that's intimacy. Exactly. Intimacy shows up in anger too, right? Because if you aren't angry, that means you don't care. Right? Mm -hmm. The only thing the Lord doesn't want is indifference. And that's how we spend most of our life is indifference to Him and our relationship. So go speak with Him. Get out the raw humanity. Speak from your heart. Show the ugliness. Show the, the brokenness. Start there. Get that out. Vent it. Then just sit there exhausted and listen. And say, what do you want from me? Like, it, like Connor was saying. And see where the Lord is leading you. Guys, listen. The main message I think today is one. Do not fear. Your Father in Heaven runs the universe. And there's nothing more real than that. Period. And He has a perfect plan for your life. And it includes this hurricane. And more importantly than the hurricane, He wants the transformation in your own heart. That's what He's working on. That's His agenda. So go spend time with Him. Lord, what do you want? What are you trying to say to me in this whole thing? What do, you, what do you want from me? Spend that time with him. Trust in the Lord. So with that, Connor, we're going to jump right into the confession round. Oh boy, I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions and you'll have wow. three seconds to answer each. Are you wow. ready? Okay, let me buckle up here, Joseph. I love it. It's like you have no idea what's coming. <laughs> this is like a hurricane I just threw at yeah, you. Yeah, I That's... didn't sign a waiver for this. <laughs> okay, Connor. What is your favorite thing about being an adult? Driving. Did I make three seconds there? You did. What is your least favorite thing about being an adult? Bills. Don't even have to think about that one. What secret fear do you have about people? That they don't like me. Mm. If you could be anyone, just for fun, for the next seven days, anyone on the planet, who would you choose to trade places with? Probably Tom Brady. I think he's got a nice life. We were just talking about it in our practice. <laughs> what do you wish you were better at? Sports. What dream are you scared of pursuing? That's a good question. Having a family. Getting mm. married. What makes you smile more than anything? When the Tampa Bay Lightning win. <laughs> no bias there. <laughs> When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Sports broadcaster. Seeing a common theme here, brother. <laughs> if you had the power to remove any one form of suffering in the world, what wow. would you remove? What would it be? Hunger. Okay. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Wow. Oh, I don't go light on questions. <laughs> Probably. Not probably. What does it say? On? It would say, this guy finally shut up. <laughs> Got it. When you die, what would you like to hear God say when you walk through the pearly gates? Welcome. Welcome home. Welcome home. Love it. And last question, Connor. Here we go. If you could come back to life after you die and tell your friends and Boy, I thought this was a Catholic radio station. This isn't reincarnation. <laughs> Right? Hey, saints come back, okay? Let's go there. Okay. Okay. And, okay, so you could come back to life and tell your family and friends only one piece of advice. What would you say to them? 
love God and love one another. Awesome. Okay. So, Connor, what's the best way for our listeners uh, to get in touch with you? Reach out. I'm going to be here uh, at Christ the King Catholic Church for the next year. And then from there, who knows, after a couple of years, I'll be a priest in the diocese. That is so exciting. I love what God's doing in your life. Connor, thanks for joining us today. And we wish you the love, forgiveness, and transformation of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Cheers. Friends, I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. Head over to BrokenCatholic.com to learn how to stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and remember that God the Father loves you, He's fascinated by you, and He wants to show you His awesome plan for your life. Now go spend quiet time with Him, and I'll see you on the next show.